Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's get things going on this Saturday night. Flames kicking off a five-game road trip on the road in Pittsburgh, and they end up losing this one 5-2. Penguins score five times in the third period to erase a one nothing deficit, and that's how this one unraveled on the Flames as we welcome you to our Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills along with us as well. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. And the text line at 960-960. Your phone calls, your text coming up. We'll hear from Matt Coronado in just minutes. He scored his first NHL goal as part of this loss. Head coach Ryan Huska and a whole lot more on our comprehensive Flames Talk postgame show this evening. But uh, friends, a rough third period, Mick. The Penguins cranked it up in the third period. They took advantage of a turnover early in the third, and then it kind of went downhill for them for four or five minutes. And once they're up by two, they kind of went back into protect mode, and the Flames weren't able to get back in this one. As a result, Flames lose their first of the season. How did you see this one getting away on them tonight? Yeah, the first period, there was a lot of penalties, obviously, and they did a good job of riding those waves. They had some looks on the power play, did a nice job on the penalty kill. Markstrom was absolutely solid. Five on five, they were okay. In the second period, they were absolutely relentless on the forecheck and dominated in terms of high-danger scoring chances and just... Their puck management was a lot better as well. And then that lapse at the start of the third period, I mean, it just came down to way too many turnovers. And when you're playing against teams of this caliber in the NHL, these are very skilled players to say the least. And they're going to take advantage of those turnovers. So what was decent puck management in those first two periods turned into way too many turnovers. And at the end of the day, that's what, lost them the game. And uh, Derek, get your uh, thought in just a second. We're about to head back to Pittsburgh right now, get some post-game thoughts after a 5-2 loss to the Penguins. Uh, was a special night for Matt Coronado as he scored his first NHL goal. I thought we are we were going to head there. We'll actually wait a little bit. So uh, sorry to cut you off, Derek. Jump right back in yeah, uh, on, on your thoughts on the game there. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of some games that we saw last year. Uh, for example, uh, the Flames... Shot attempts, 81 to 50. So the Penguins weren't even close. But when you look at who scored for the Penguins, Rust with two, Smith, Gensel, and Malkin each with one. We're, all, we're talking about 20-plus goal guys here. And when the Flames made mistakes, the Penguins' top players, especially in the third period, made them pay. And they've just got to clean up some of the mistakes that they're making in the defensive zone. I thought there was a lot to like, uh, minus that mm. six-minute stretch at the start of the third period, but uh, I'll have to try to bounce back from their first loss of the season in uh, a couple days. 5-2, your final score. Let's uh, head back to PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh and check in with Matt Coronado for some uh, instant uh, reaction to tonight's game. Matt, appreciate the time. Uh, ju- just overall, how, uh, how did you see this one out there for your group? Kind of how did you see this one getting away on you? Yeah, I thought we, we did a good job working hard the first two uh, periods. I, I think we worked hard all game, actually. Just a, a couple mistakes in the third that that kind of uh, cost us it. But I think the, the guys did a good job with work ethic and um, definitely were hunting pucks all night. The uh, And I know the third period uh, didn't go the way the group wanted, but did you like the pushback that you showed uh, once you kind of fell down and, and Pittsburgh had the lead for the first time? It seemed like after that third goal, your group was able to compose themselves and push back. I know you don't get the victory, but did you like the way you were able to do that? Yeah, like I said, uh, guys were working all game. I think even after after that little uh, in the third, guys continue to work and, and make plays and um, it's always nice to see um, that compete level in, in, in that kind of situation. Walk us through your goal, Matt, your first NHL goal. How'd you see it uh, playing out for yourself? Yeah, uh, well, Elias got it in the middle, and um, I kind of backed up a little and, and crept back door, and he made a, a great pass and um, happened to, to find the back of the net. So it was a, a great play by him and a great feeling. I, I did have to ask just what, what goes through your head? What's that feeling like when you see it go in and you know you've got your first in the highest level in the world? 
Um, I think just, you know, it's a, it's a pie game at that point. So uh, late in the second, get get on the board. I think um, it was a a big goal for the group. I think that's that's the main thing I was thinking about. Yeah. Well, uh, congratulations on your first NHL goal, Matt, uh, and uh, good luck going into Washington on Monday. Thanks so much for doing this tonight, hey? All right, thank you. That is Matt Coronado post game from Pittsburgh. He scores his first NHL goal as part of a 5-2 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's uh, Pat, Derek, Megan on your Flames Talk post game, and I-, I thought another really good showing from Matt Coronado. Derek, he uh, continues to show that not like uh, he didn't show this in the preseason or training camp, but he just continues to show that he's where he belongs right now. And part of that, he's where he belongs on this team's number one power play yeah. here because that was. That was a, a straight-up sniper's power play goal from the right half boards. He absolutely killed that puck for his first NHL goal. And I do wonder if at uh, some point in time in the near future he's going to wind up playing on the right side of the Flames' top line with Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto. Lindholm setting up Coronado for his first NHL goal. And hearing him speak, uh, it's pretty clear that he's no dummy. Uh, obviously, he went to Harvard. But I love how he always yeah. turns the spotlight back onto his teammates and to his team. It's never about him. And to hear that from a 20-year-old is, is pretty impressive. But Pat, on the ice, he has been impressive right from the get-go. With the Youngsters Classic aside, and I think he'd be the, the first to admit he tried to do too much playing against a lower level of competition in Penticton. But from the start of Flames training camp, and the preseason, he has gotten better and better and better. And, and some people might be saying, well, how could he get better and better and better when he scored three goals and added an assist in the preseason opener? Well, that was against the Abbotsford Canucks. As the competition rose, so did his game. He's a, a solid 200-foot player. And I'm not sure there's a flame forward that can shoot it like he does. And I know that he's only going to get better. He's 20 years old, but the puck absolutely explodes off his stick. And, Mick, we saw it on his first NHL goal tonight. Yeah, he has been extremely impressive in the way he plays the game. His maturity, how humble he is whenever he's asked about his play and Mm -hmm. and how he's felt, he always directs it back to the team. And I was a little bit surprised to see the stats from post-game and that he was minus four tonight. Whoa. So that was a little bit surprising to me and something that, you know, Ryan Huska talked after the game on Wednesday about him. So just to play devil's advocate a little bit with Matt Coronado, I think that one area of his game, and he's the type of player that's going to look at how can I get better, how can I be better. And the game on Wednesday, he talked about how fast it was and Ryan Huska mentioned that at times he was on the wrong side of the puck. So seeing that minus four to me, that jumps out a little bit just in terms of making sure that he is playing a solid defensive game as well. He's a guy we've talked about how good he plays away from the puck, how hard he works, how hard he works when the other team has it to try to get it back and just the details of his game and how they've been so good. But I do wonder if that's something that he's going to look at now and and ask himself, can I be a little bit better? I think back to the goals that were scored tonight and – I can't think he didn't make any mistakes. No, so that's what I was that's, thinking. That's it what wasn't was, yeah. him per se, but I do think that he, like you said, he is smart. He went to Harvard. I do think that he is going to look at that stat and he's not going to be happy with it just because he's a guy who wants to be better. He wants to make sure that he's doing everything that he can to help the team win. And that's the signs of a great, great player, great players. Mm-hmm. They, they want to get better and they want to be at their best. So, I think that if he's looking at his stats, which all players do, no matter what they say, they don't look at them. That's something he's going to look at and, and want to be better. So he doesn't get a plus on the goal because it's a power play exactly. goal. He gets a minus on the empty netter, and then he gets a minus on the Riley Smith goal, which mm-hmm. was the bad Coleman turnover, the Gensel goal, which was the faceoff, and the Malkin goal, which was the Hannafin turnover. So he kind of he kind of gets slapped with a bad bad looking minus. And I'm I'm with you. I don't I think about that. I don't know what more. He could have done on any of those, right? And yeah. you're right. He'll look at it and say, geez, minus four, because they hate seeing dashes like that. Yeah. I think on goals against, though, too, you always look at the play that happened right before the goal. 
And when these guys look back at their video, they don't just look at that one mistake or that one turnover. They look at the shift in its entirety. And I can't say that he did anything wrong. I'm not saying that he did, but mm-hmm. I think that he'll, he's a smart guy. And all of these players go back and they watch all of their shifts and they're very critical of their own play. So I think he will go back and he will, he will take a look and he might see that he did absolutely nothing wrong and mm-hmm. he was at zero fault. I'm just saying that he is going to go back and take a look because he's a smart guy and he wants to be better. The play before the play. The play before right, the yeah. play. Yeah. Or the play before the play before the play. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> example, and we, we brought it up with Mackenzie Weger in the first period tonight. Mm-hmm. He gave the puck away a couple of times. Nothing happened right after that, but the Flames got hemmed in, and it led to, to two great scoring chances for the Penguins. So it's sometimes you have a chance to get it out. Don't. A minute later, you're still in. People forget that you yeah. didn't get it out when you had the chance, and someone else makes a mistake, and uh, puck ends up at the back of your net. But... Uh, he's a young kid who's off to yeah. a good start. The other thing that impresses me about him, sometimes young players get a little panicky with the puck and they feel like they've got to mm-hmm. pass it or shoot it right away. He holds pucks and he'll try to make plays. And that's something that Ryan Huska and the coaching staff are trying to ingrain not only into his brain, but the entire team. Because it is a, a little bit of a departure from the mentality they had for a couple of seasons under Daryl Sutter, which worked really well one season and not so well the next. And that's shoot from the parking lot, right? Mm-hmm. Shot volume, shot volume, shot volume. And they still want a high shot volume, but they also want to hold pucks and make plays and to try to create more high danger chances. And I think he's done a pretty good job of that. He has great poise with the puck. Yeah. Like, and that's something... As a player myself, that was always something that I wish that I had more of. And as a player, oftentimes it's a natural ability. Like you just have that natural ability to play with poise, and that is something that he does. Uh, I also liked a couple of times the how hard he worked to make sure a puck got deep as mm-hmm. they were going through a line change, little things like that. You talk about uh, the, the uh, IQ that he has. Three or four times I, I wrote it down on my sheet where he sold out to get a puck deep to make sure that his team could safely change and, and the uh, play wouldn't go back the other way too dangerously on them. Going to hear from head coach Ryan Huska in just seconds. Do want to tell you our marquee matchup tonight in the pregame show brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. We were focusing on Noah Hannafin in his 600th NHL game. He uh, also finishes with a, a dash three, had an assist, played 23-28 which was second on the team in ice time behind only Rasmus Anderson, had uh, five shot attempts, one hit, one giveaway, one takeaway, and one block shot. So congratulations to uh, Noah Hannafin, who played in his 600th NHL game this evening. Unfortunately for him, a 5-2 loss for the Flames on the road in Pittsburgh. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska right now as he just wrapped up at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. Huska, we just get your kind of assessment of that uh, sequence in the third period. That ends up kind of being the difference here. Yeah, it was uh, a little tough puck management to start with for sure. And the hard part is we had a, a good first two periods. When you look at it, we played a good, solid road game to start with. And then really that's the difference. And then you let momentum get away from you. And then you have a few face-off reads that were um, not there tonight. So it's it's a tough one for us to start for sure. I mean, it's not a it's not a long sequence, but obviously they they took advantage of the chances they had. But I mean, what when you when you leave a game like that and you feel really good about forty, mm-hmm. you know, how do you kind of move We're, forward with it? Well, you, I think you have to recognize the work ethic was there for the most part, and that was a big thing. It was much much improved from our game against Winnipeg for sure. But if you want to take a next step. It's those little small details in the game that are often the difference, and they sure were tonight. Is that what stood out about the first 40 was, was work ethic or anything else uh, uh, they liked? I, I thought we did a good job of limiting their opportunities 5-on-5. Five five. Like we, we controlled the play in the offensive zone in the second period. first period was a lot of special teams. You know, Marky made some great saves in the first period to keep it at, at zeros. Um, but it got away from us in the third, for sure. The, that work ethic, that Coronado-Coleman line, just seemed to dominate along the boards, especially mm-hmm. early in the second, and set a real nice tone for the second period. Yeah, we, yeah, for sure. Well, you can look at stretches for all four of our lines. I thought we had that at times from all of those lines. Um, and I think they knew Pittsburgh was on a back-to-back, and it was our opportunity to kind of make them have to defend as much as possible. But um, 
the area that we have to get better at is managing the, the key parts of the game and starting periods, you know, face-offs, your details, they all have to be there. Those, those are the things you can control. Is this one you kind of let get away because, like you said, after two periods we have one nothing in another team's building, mm -hmm. it's right where you want somebody. Yeah. Um, whether we let it get away or it's, um, you know, we kind of gave it to him, whatever, however you want to put it, it, it happened, yeah. Uh, when you have a game, especially that section of that first period where the special teams are play that much of a role, is yeah. it hard to get everybody, you know, a feel for the game at that point, or did you get enough in the early ten minutes? Um, yeah, I think there's there's guys when you're killing penalties for a lengthy period of time like we were, they don't kill, so they're sitting on the bench, so they would like to be on the ice more. But I didn't feel like that really had a huge impact on us. Like I said, the carried over into the second period where we probably had our best period, you know including exhibition, um, we played really well. But then, you know, we got to move on and make sure we're better for third periods. I assume there's a sense that we're going to see a whole lot of goals like the one Matt Coronado scored. I hope so. <laughs> you know, he, he actually made a smart play on that. He he found the quiet ice there, and uh, he got himself open, and that's the mark of a goal scorer for sure. Yeah. Hey, thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. Sounds good. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska post-game in Pittsburgh as the Flames uh, allow five in the third period and a one nothing lead after 40 turns into a 5-2 loss in game two of the season. So Flames drop back to 500 with game three of 82 coming up Monday on the road in Washington. I do think it's uh, Pat, Megan, Derek on your uh, Flames Talk post-game. Phone line's open, 403-240-4444. Text line open, 960-960. We'll get to you in just a few minutes. But, uh, Mick, it, definitely a, a, a lesson or a learning uh, teaching moment for the Flames, right? Like they played a really solid first 40 minutes. That, that was night and day, five on five, compared to what we saw on Wednesday in a good spot, up one nothing, And puck management, game management, just a, a, an opportunity for some teaching for the coaching staff as they go into Monday's game against Washington. Yeah, and there's a lot of good things to take away from that game. And if I'm a player on that team, you take – confidence from knowing the type of game and the brand of hockey that you can play and especially you know five on five and we saw in that second period and that relent relentless relentlessness sorry yeah and their ability to capitalize on the power play as well I think that's been promising for this team so something that they can keep rolling and and they can take away in terms of positive things those are those are really great things to be able to build off of knowing that if you can walk away from a game playing that type of hockey five on five for 60 minutes versus just 40 minutes and if you can win the specialty teams battle then you're putting your team in a really good position moving throughout the season I mean other than them taking too many penalties in the first period and getting into some trouble on the penalty kill and mm -hmm. Jacob Markstrom bailed them out of that I loved their first 40 minutes mm -hmm. tonight. Five on five, they were fantastic. So much better than they were on Wednesday night in that 5-3 victory over the Jets. And then a, a tough start to the third period. And really, and I'm not saying that the Penguins were lucky to win the hockey game, but they did get a fortuitous bounce on the, the Brian Russ goal that made it 1-1, and that turned the tide for six minutes. The Penguins all of a sudden had a 4-1 lead, and you're like, what the heck just happened here? Because the Flames appeared to be in complete control of the hockey game, and they did push back after that, but just weren't as opportunistic. But they, they made some mistakes that they maybe would have got away with against uh, a less experienced, less skilled team. But when you look at who scored for the Penguins tonight, all four of the guys who scored, and, and Russ scored twice, had 20 or more goals last season. Yep. You make mistakes like that against those kind of guys, against a team that has a bunch of stars and a few superstars, chances are it's going to bite you in the butt. It did tonight. Phone calls momentarily, texts momentarily, but let's select tonight's hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Last uh, piece of on-the-spot duty for Megan Mickelson this evening is our hardest working flame. Which way are we going? I'm going to go with Chris Tanev. I thought on the back end, he was really solid. He made a lot of great plays out of his own end, just really simple plays. And that's the type of game that you see from him is that consistent, reliable, solid. And I thought Chris Tanev was that for the Flames tonight. And just 
the way that he brings that night in, night out, every single shift, I'm going to give it to him tonight. Chris Tanev, he uh, led the team with two minutes and 36 seconds of shorthanded ice time in this game is your hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Just before we let you two go, some final thoughts as the Flames go into game two of this road trip on Monday against Washington. How are we feeling after game two of the season and a 5-2 loss to the Penguins? A lot of good things to take away from that game, five-on-five and specialty teams-wise as well. So... I think it's just a matter of cleaning up that puck management and managing key parts of the game. Like Huss said, that's something that you look at the details of your game and and needing to play a full 60 minutes. Take away the positives, clean up what you need to clean up, and knowing that you're capable of playing a game where you're going to put yourself in a good position to win hockey games. So... Jacob Markstrom, I think he was stellar early on and and the type of play that we're going to continue to need to see from him uh, if this team's going to be successful. It's funny, after Wednesday's game against the Jets, we talked about the importance of the process, which I didn't think was very good in that 5-3 win, but mm-hmm. the result was. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I think the process was actually quite a bit better for the vast majority of the game, but the result wasn't. It's... It's going to be a little up and down for this team to start the season. I had a great chat with Mark Savard earlier, and he said it's probably going to take them 10 or so games to really get comfortable with how they're now playing in the defensive zone. And we just heard Ryan Huska talk about how really a lot of the goals against tonight, they they came on missed reads off of faceoffs. So kind of little things like that that they're going to have to clean up. But again, shot attempts were 81 to 50 in favor of the Flames tonight. They were 65, oppor- 65-33 at 5-on-5, five five too. There you go. Yeah. Um, they were opportunistic Wednesday versus the Jets. They weren't tonight versus the Penguins, who were, especially for a six-minute span to start the third period. Uh, those nights happen. So you, uh, you wait to see how they bounce back uh, against a Capitals team that has not won on home ice this season. Uh, it's always a tough building to play in, so I'm looking forward to, to watching that one on Monday night. Hockey's, Bye, a, hockey's a funny game, isn't it? It is. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> I was thinking that. Like, well, the game they win, they were yeah. on their back foot all yep. night. The game they lose the other way, it happens sometimes. And still 80 to go. I, I believe we're about uh, 2.4% uh, 2. of the way through the season. So <laughs> about? Still, uh, I think it's exactly 2.4%. <laughs> uh, bye, friends. Have a good rest of your weekend. Good night. Thanks, uh, Megan and Derek signing off on this Saturday night following a Flames 5-2 loss on the road in Pittsburgh. Hey, call now. 403-240-4444. Text now, 960-960. Got tons of text to get to. Uh, phone line's a little thin, so if you want to jump in, you won't get a busy signal right now. We'd love to hear from you on our Flames Talk postgame show. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Matt Coronado scores his first NHL goal. Unfortunately, comes in a 5-2 loss to the Penguins. Your phone calls, your texts next as we continue along in your Flames Talk postgame. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Following a 5-2 loss on the road in Pittsburgh on this Saturday night, it's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game. Hey, call now. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. Lots of text to get to, a little thin on the phone line, so if you want to jump in, now would be a good time to do so uh, as you do that. Let's uh, get to tonight's save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. Second start of the year for Jacob Markstrom. And boy, he uh, he had some really, really solid moments in this game. I know that uh, he ends up allowing four when it's all said and done, but Jacob Markstrom's save of the game comes in a crazy stretch in period number one. Ready to wobble from the power play. Carlson to Crosby. Robbed by Markstrom. What a save. It's loose. And Markstrom makes another miraculous stop. Holy smokes. Crosby can't believe it. 
two ten bellers in like two seconds. Robs Malkin and then Crosby. Those are two of the twenty-five saves made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit shaneholmes.com. The better way to build. Let's dive in on the text line at nine sixty-nine sixty after that save of the game because I thought, despite allowing four goals on twenty-nine shots against, I thought Jacob Markstrom was one of Calgary's better players again. Uh, none of those goals that go in on him are uh, a result of him letting in a softy. The three of them were pretty egregious giveaways that end up in the back of the net, and the other one was a face-off play that was just absolutely ripped home by Jake Gensel to make it uh, 3-1. So I, I I had no problem with Markstrom. I think he's looked very strong through the first two games of this season. And uh, now we see how he plays Monday in Washington. I assume he'll get the start against the Capitals. Uh, we'll wait and see. But let's get to the text line at 960-960. Uh, this says, sure, it's early, but same old team and problems. At least it's less boring. Do we even watch other teams' players before we trade? Huberto gets points but dominates nothing. Stars don't only put up points but eat copious amounts of minutes on the other team's end, which prevents them from scoring. Huberto, Lindholm, and even Kadri don't do that. These are not big payday players well I will say in Huberto's defense I thought he was Calgary's one of Calgary's two or three best skaters in this game I thought honestly I know they lost that might have been the best I've ever seen Huberto look as a member of the Calgary Flames I thought he was outstanding tonight he was dangerous he was unpredictable he ends up with a goal I know he was trying to pass it but he ends up with a goal, and he's got three points in his first two games. I thought Huberto was great tonight. He ends up with five shots on net. He had nine shot attempts. Eight of those attempts were scoring chances. Four of them were high dangers. I thought Huberto was Calgary's best player tonight, if not, or, or one of their two or three, if not their best player. And, and that... I, I don't have the tape of all the games he played in front of me, so I don't have every uh, bullet point, but I think that's Jonathan Huberto's best game as a member of the Calgary Flames. And I honestly, like, I thought he was great tonight. So I, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on that front, and, and I thought Jonathan had a really strong game tonight. Um this from Joel and Cranston. Pat, I saw the exact same team as last year. Stupid penalties. Lots of giveaways from experienced defenders. They didn't capitalize on opportunities in a five-minute lapse. Sunk the team. Now that I agree with. There, there were some uh, last-year um, hallmarks. It's game two. They're trying to work in a new way of playing, both with and without the puck. So I, uh, in game two, for them to look a little bit like they did last year as they're learning a lot of new things, I don't think that's completely unheard of. In fact, I think it's actually probably pretty natural. I come away from this game thinking there were lots of positives to take, definitely some learning experiences, definitely some negatives, but uh, there were some definite positives to take away from this game for the Flames. This reads from Dylan. Uh, cue the overreaction. Markstrom actually played well. A couple defensive breakdowns in a couple minutes lost us that one. It'll take another six to eight games to get the D zone clicking and get breakouts going without the giveaways. Lots of season left. Truly think this is a playoff team. That comes from Dylan in Revelstoke. Uh, this from Anand. Uh, tuning in on the uh, C train. Had a look at the scores after work and a chat with friends. Congrats to uh, Scoronato for his first NHL goal. My question or concern, why did they give up too many pucks and what will it take for someone to score consistently? Um, well, I mean, Manchapani's got three points in two games or four points in two games. Huberto's got three points in two games. So, you know, they've had, they've had some, uh, Lindholm's got three points in two games. So they've had some consistent scoring through two games so far. Um, as for the giveaways, I do think, you know, Mick, talked about Megan talked about in the um, in the pregame show and even a little bit earlier on our Flames Talk postgame about puck management. We heard Ryan Huska talk about puck management. And so that's where the giveaways are coming from. As the Flames are getting a little more comfortable with a new brand of 
uh, a new brand, brand's the wrong word, uh, a new way that they're exiting their zone, a new way they're playing without the puck in their own zone, uh, even a new uh, a new philosophy when it comes to what they're doing in the offensive zone. You know, there's, there's going to be some mistakes and there's going to be some coverage or, or some uh, reads on coverage that aren't perfect. And, and part of what the team is doing as they're exiting the zone, what is very important is quick up passes and pucks off sticks really quickly. And part of making that effective is the right support and forwards being in the right place at the right time and, and in proper kind of zones in their own zone uh, so that some of these outlet passes and pucks that look right now like they're just being thrown to nowhere, I actually think what, what they're trying to do, like they have the right idea, just maybe not the right execution or the right timing as of yet. And so, some, like for instance, Noah Hannafin's uh, play to throw it up the boards, I'm watching it right now, it was a no-looker, and I think that he was uh, – that, that, that was the one that led to the Malkin 4-1 goal. I, I, I just watched it on, on the Sportsnet Melt right now, and – I think he had the right idea in terms of, okay, puck off the stick quick. He should have a forward in that area, so didn't look and just slammed it off the boards. Unfortunately, it uh, popped to Riley Smith, who fed it to Malkin, and it's 4-1. So my point is, is that as they get more comfortable, everybody, in terms of where they're supposed to be, what needs to happen when they're outletting and they're exiting, what needs to happen when they're defending in their own zone, all of these things, as that becomes more and more second nature, those things are going to, hopefully anyway, those things are going to decrease and those mistakes are going to decrease. And as Mick said on, I think it was Wednesday night on our post-game show, she said, basically, Right now, and, and I know they're trying to make it automatic, but maybe that extra look when you're throwing a puck to space is, is what needs to happen. And, and maybe that does for a little bit, and then as it becomes more automatic, you don't need that extra look, and you're exiting the zone that much quicker, that much more efficiently. Um, this says, does this not feel like a last season game? I think this is our flames for life. I, I, would, I would say it's two games in. Um, let's, let's see how some of these new things work themselves out. Uh, This from Ian and Cranbrook. Pat, watch the Flames tonight. My thoughts, pluses, fast, good puck movement. Markstrom, good game. Cons, this team is soft. They need to win battles in the O-zone. No rugged wingers, I see. No in-front net presence or greasy forwards, I see. It's fine to have all the skill in the world, but you need net presence to create havoc for opposing goaltenders. And with I and with this team, I don't, uh, I do not see success unless these issues are addressed. Uh, this says one of the Flames' big problems already beginning to surface. They can't score. I will say it was good to see Coronado score on the power play. Two power play goals in two games. That's a positive. But I do think offense is going to be one of the things that is a big question mark all year long. Is this a team that can score at a high enough rate to be a higher-end team? Um, this says, looks like Markstrom and Huberto are right back to where they left off last year. Disagree completely. I thought those were two of Calgary's best players tonight. I thought Huberto, as I already said, was really strong. Um, and uh, I thought Markstrom was was quite dialed in as well. So those just a few of the texts. 960-960. Keep them coming on the text line. And uh, let's jump in on the phone lines now. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Following a Flames 5-2 loss on the road in Pittsburgh. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We do have a few lines open, so if you want to jump in, do so right now. Let's kick it off on our Flames Talk post-game phone lines by saying hello to Kent. What's going on, Kent? How are we doing? Hey, good evening, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, good. Hey, I'm not quite ready for the call yet, but I guess I'll have to be. So, hey, it's sure nice what you do there. You, you host a great show, and you're very... Uh, Man, you're dialed in and you got all the info there. So kudos to you on the show there, and I enjoy listening to you every day. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Um, I don't know. I was told a long time ago, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it. <laughs> so, well, you know my thoughts on Mark. So I'm not even going to go there, but hopefully, Wolfie, we can see him a few times this year, and that'll kind of make, make my day. I think we will. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't yeah. think that there is a... Um... 
I don't believe that right now they've got you know just doing uh, just doing some some talking to some different people. I I don't I don't think that there is a um, plan for exactly when they're going to do it as of right now. I think they're kind of just taking things as they go and seeing how the season starts, seeing how Dustin's season starts in the American League and how the Flames start at at the highest level. So I I think that that's what we're talking about right now is kind of a um, wait and see as to when a guy like Wolf might be able to make his uh, uh, first NHL start this year. I do think he'll get games in the NHL this year. Uh, When and how many, many is the big question, and and uh, that remains to be seen. But I uh, honestly, Kent, I, I do think that we'll see that. I, I think that at some point we will see him get the opportunity when the schedule for the Wranglers allows and, and when things allow for the Flames to, to get an NHL game, a few NHL games, and even in the first half of the season, I think there's that opportunity. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. That's a good take. And a couple days ago, they were talking about some some scenarios and stuff, and that would be my absolute dream come true if he played against the Rangers because I'm going to that game, but <laughs> that's, that's a pretty tall task. So I'm going to let you go here and look forward to listening to the regulars like George and Travis and Robert and that other eight that phones in and Nan. There's, there's a good group of callers that phone in, so I'll give them the floor and have a great night. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it, Kent. You have yourself a great night, hey? Yeah, you too. Thanks, man. We do uh, we do have uh, a ton of people listening uh, in uh, some of our uh, colonies outside of Cal- Calgary. The uh, I think Bicycler and Kaylee. We've got huge listenership in both those spots. I love it. So uh, keep them coming uh, from from those colonies outside the city. Love to hear from everybody. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. George is with us uh, following a five-two loss in Pittsburgh. What's up, Georgie? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm all right. Your phone is garbage, but we'll we'll make it work. All right. Is that any better? Not really, but it's uh, we can hear you. Oh. It's all good. All right. Um, I'm just being well, honest with was, you because uh... I can. Right. No. No. I know. I know. Cell phones. Huh? What are you gonna do? Um, let's see if we can get through this. I hope it doesn't sound like like crap. Too much like crap. But anyway, that was uh, man, Markstrom in the first period reminded me of Kiprasov. That was. The, the only thing I'm the not the only thing, but what I am disappointed about is that it seems like that was a wasted performance tonight. They wasted Markstrom's performance of that collapse in the third period because they could have easily come away with a win in this game. Yeah, I, I thought they were uh, right on track for a win, Georgie. I thought they played a great first forty minutes. Uh, they were very deserving to be up. They just they they. they you you give Pitt, Pittsburgh lots credit because the Penguins are who they are, and and we know the type of talent that exists on that team. But I, I the Flames made it a little bit too easy on them there in the third period. Just some some mistakes that you you don't really need to see at the time of game they were made, and it ended up costing them. Uh, Manchapani makes one, bam, it's one one. Then it's Coleman. Coleman doesn't do that very often, but then it's 2-1, 20, whatever it was, 23 seconds later. And then they lose the faceoff, and they don't contain well, and bam, it's 3-1. And then Hannafin coughs it up, and Riley gives it to Malkin, and it's 4-1. So, you know, three giveaways lead directly to pucks in the back of Calgary's net, and the other one's just bad coverage off the faceoff, and that that made it 3-1 at the time. So there, there are some mistakes they still have plenty to clean up, but I actually thought they made, took some steps from things they need to clean up from game one to game two. So you just want to keep seeing those. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's no secret. Defensive systems don't need a ton of work. The only hope is that they can collect points while they're working on improving on it. Because the last thing you need is, you know, to lose, for example, four or five on this road trip, you know, be, and to lose them because of that, right? Yeah. Because like, so far, it's two games in, I know, but Markstrom has looked phenomenal so far. I really think so. Like, for anybody who thought Markstrom sucked tonight, I don't know what game you were watching. Yeah, like, I thought, I thought he was I'm the one first of their one. better players tonight, for sure. And I'm the first one to rail on Markstrom when he's no good. I mean, I did it all year last year. So, I can tell you right now, through two games, short sample size, he's been excellent. And if it's not for him in that first period, that game is 4 nothing Pittsburgh. So, uh all you know, Coronado, that's night, man. That's about as sweet as a first career goal as you can ask for if you're that kid. Like, that no was, 
that was Ovechkin-esque. And I, and I know that's kind of ironic because we're playing Washington next, but that's exactly what that was. And that's what I'm talking about. Savard putting him on that power play and having that right-hand shot, I mean, that was just, that was sweet. Happy for the kid. And I, I, think, I, I think as he gets more comfortable, like he's going to get better in areas of the games where he does need to improve. I know he was minus four tonight. And I'll be honest, it, to me it didn't seem like any of those minuses were quote-unquote his fault or his doing necessarily. But, uh, you know, it's a statistic that he's going to look at and he's not going to like. And like I said, he's a young player. He's going to improve in those areas. But, I mean, his offensive prowess and smarts, I mean, that's there. I mean, that's going to get better also, but that's already there. Like, I honestly think he's probably the best shooter on the Flames right now. Yeah, him or Lindholm. Um, they, they, yeah. they, and and the fact that you're putting uh, you're putting Matt Coronado in the same conversation as a what a forty goal scorer or whatever he's been before in this league that's pretty that's pretty impression impressive rather when you're talking about him in the same conversation of a guy who's scored twenty four times and you know basically has scored thirty twice and has definitely scored forty once uh, yeah that's 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 high praise and he was he was all around it again that's what I've liked preseason. And two games in the regular season, he's been all around it. Oh, oh, for sure. He's been noticeable. And as of now, no doubt an NHL player. You just hope it continues in a positive trajectory. But so far, like so far, no question which league he belongs in, you know? For sure. Um, what, what, did you th- what did you think of Dennis Gilbert tonight? Uh, I thought he was okay. I, I mean, I, I, he, he kind of he, he is what he is, right? He's a number six defenseman. I thought that he maybe spent a little bit too much time in the third period uh, when he was out there bailing water in the in the defensive zone. I thought I thought he was okay in his first game of the year. I didn't. I, I guess I I would say I don't think he hurt them at all in this game. Uh, what he doesn't bring that Osterley does is maybe the ability to skate pucks out of trouble, but I also think that he's maybe a little more responsible and and doesn't make some of the high-risk plays that Osterley makes at times that can go the other way on you. So I, I think that that is going to remain a competition with Gilbert and Osterley for the time being in that number six spot. And, you know, maybe Solovyov can enter that conversation at some point as well, but uh, I, I thought Gilbert was fine in his first game of the year for sure. Not great, yeah, but fine. and I agree. It, yeah, I agree, and and they are they're two different style stylistically. They're different defensemen altogether, right? So, and I kind of think it is good to have guys like that to swap in and out. Um, stylistically, I, I do think Osterley gets back in for the Washington game, uh, but we'll see. I think for now they're suitable. They're definitely suitable six guys. I know you. You know, you wish you could have an upgrade down the road, but they I think they're suitable. I mean, I haven't had a problem with either one through two games. Mm-hmm. I thought, right, I, thought man, Osterley, I thought Osterley struggled a little bit on Wednesday. That's why I understood why yeah. they decided to make the change. Uh, I thought Gilbert was, was fine, and, and I even think there are going to be nights where even just matchup dependent will determine who goes in between those two. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, my friend, it was good talking to you. I hope you have a wonderful evening. We'll talk soon, bud. Thanks, Georgie. Talk soon. We'll uh, hopefully fix your phone next time. It uh, Like, as soon as you hear, you're like, George, what are you? Are you talking through a potato? What is happening right now? It's not his fault. It's cell service for sure, but it's just... <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames uh, take a 5-2 loss on the chin uh, on this Saturday night in Pittsburgh. Steinberg along with you as we say hello to James on the Flames Talk phone line. What's up, James? Hey, hey Patty. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? All right. So I was I was watching the first uh, the game there, and uh, Markson looks a hell of a lot better than he did last year. He's not letting the first, first shot on net, first shot on net in. And those 10 bell saves in the first two games have been absolutely incredible. I think the Mark Storm from two years ago is back. He's looked like it through the first two games anyway. I'm with you. He's been he's been one of their, like if you take a look at body of work through the first two games of the season, he's been uh, one of their best players for sure. Yeah. And Robin Melkin and, and Crosby, like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a heck of a sequence. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think if we uh, and if we uh, clean up on the penalties, I think we'll go pretty far in the playoffs. 
And that's all I got to say tonight, buddy. All right, James. You have yourself a great night. And and I mean, I I think that the the they actually were fairly after the after the first period where they no doubt about it got into penalty trouble. Uh, they they actually cleaned that up as the game went along. They only took three penalties all night. All three of them were in that first period, including that little stretch of five on three the Penguins had. After that, the Flames actually were able to be pretty disciplined and and to hone that stuff in. And and it turns out that they didn't get burnt by those penalties in the first period. So, again, 5-2, and, and that third period was frustrating to watch. There's no doubt about it. But I actually come away feeling um, – I, I, I don't come away looking at this game saying, oh, that was an absolute disaster and they're horrible. They had a bad third period. They made a couple of um, growing pain, bad decisions in the third period that bit them in the behind. I, I think this thing's a work in progress, but I actually think from game one to game two, they did show some progress, which is what, what you want to see now Monday when the Flames are in Washington. Let's say hello to Aaron. What's going on, Aaron? Hey, Pat. I'm on my way to 10:30 Div 3 hockey game. Beauty. Very excited. Okay. Um, just wanted to comment. Um, in the first period where the Flames got those three penalties and they got a couple for them, is that the type of game we really need to stay away from when the officials are very heavy on the whistle? Um, like, I was getting nervous. I was getting nervous. Well, it's funny because it felt like it might be going that way, and then all of a sudden it wasn't, and there weren't very many more penalties. They didn't call a single penalty in the third. They only called one in the second, uh, and they called four in the first. So, yeah, it was um, – it was strange, or called five in the first, because one carried over. So they carried five, called five in the first, one in the second, none in the third. So it felt like it was going that way, uh, and then it didn't. And I think part of that is the Flames adjusted, got to their game, and really it was only a stretch of what? They took those three penalties in the stretch of uh, about three minutes. Zadorov, Coleman, and Dubé took those three penalties all in about three minutes, and they got it under, uh, then they got it under control. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks, Pat. I appreciate everything you do. You have yourself a great night, Aaron. Thank you, man. Uh, Thanks, homie. Uh, short and sweet from both Aaron and James, but that's just fine as well. Phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Text line open, 960-960 on your Flames Talk postgame show following a Flames 5-2 loss on the road in Pittsburgh. Let's hear from Jonathan Huberdeau as he scored his first goal of the season. He's up to three points in his first two games of the year. Here's Jonathan postgame from PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. Maybe just get your kind of assessment of what you saw there uh, in late stages of the game. Yeah, I mean, we can, you know, lay it off, I think, against a team like that. And a couple of mental mistakes, you know, the, that we had in the, in the third, and they took advantage of that. I thought overall, I mean, our work ethic was great tonight. I mean, we worked hard. It's just some mistake that, you know, kind of turned the puck and, and turned it. What about where you guys were at? Through 40. I mean, did you like what you saw, the position you were in after 40 minutes? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, I think we were working harder than them. We knew they were on a back-to-back too, so trying to push down a lot. And uh, you know, like I said, I think we gotta manage the puck better, and you know, kind of just mental, mental. That was the mistake in the third. How about uh, a special moment for? for Matt? I know it comes in a loss, but uh, what did you make of, of the moment? It's great. I mean, this guy has, you know, had a tremendous training camp. Worked really hard this summer to get rewarded. You know, his first goal tonight would have been nice to get the win, obviously for him. But uh, you know, he's been playing really well. So you got to keep going. It's uh, exciting, obviously, to get your first initial goal. It, it seemed like maybe you guys, you veterans, were almost happier than he was when he scored the goal. Is it? Is that just speaks to the energy that he brings to the group? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, like I said, you see a young guy coming in, work, working hard. It's nice to see him, you know, get rewarded. And, you know, he's going to score many goals in this league. But uh, to get the first one is always special, and we wanted to make him feel, you know, special. Difficult game in some ways to find. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of specialty teams in terms of, you know, I think the midway point of the first and then I think the second, too. Yeah, it was tough to get the rhythm. You know, in the first period, I thought there was a lot of penalties and stuff like that. So, but uh, we got to work on our PP, you know, and, and get get some goals. I thought we had some opportunity, but we need, you know, better execution. Can you just speak to the, the way Markstrom held you guys in there too early on? Yeah, he's been, you know, he's, like I said, this guy is playing well. And, you know, 
it sucks that you know, didn't end up with a win, but you made some huge save to, to keep us in the game. You know, got the one nothing thing going to the third. We've got to learn from, from that. I think that's a you know, learning process for a team, and we've got to take that and look forward. There you go. That is Jonathan Huberdeau postgame on the road in Pittsburgh. He scored his first of the season as part of a 5-2 loss to the Penguins. So we've heard from Jonathan Huberdeau. We've heard from Ryan Huska. And we heard live from the other goal scorer tonight. Matt Coronado joined us postgame after scoring his first NHL goal. All for you here on your Flames Talk postgame show wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Let's get to tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. And I'm going to go with the guy we just heard from, Jonathan Huberto. I thought that was uh, one of his best games as a member of the Flames. I thought he was very, very um, – he was – dangerous all night thought he was dynamic all night uh he finished uh at five on five he was a 66.7 percent possession player so shot attempts for 22 11 when huberto was on the ice at five on five uh and uh high danger scoring chances were five three calgary when huberto was on the ice individually huberto led the way in so many different ways he led the team with nine shot attempts he led them with five shots he led them with eight individual scoring chances and four individual high-danger scoring chances. Like, Huberto was very, very good tonight. Uh, So he gets two assists in the opener and the win over Winnipeg. He gets a goal and was all over the place in this game tonight. That's really encouraging with what we're seeing from Jonathan Huberdo in the early stages of this season. So more of that, the better. No doubt about that if you're the Calgary Flames. Jonathan Huberdo is your player with heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. It's time to look ahead as we uh, take a uh, look into the future as to what's coming up for the Calgary Flames. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. And here's what the Flames have got coming up as their uh, road trip continues. They're into Washington on Monday. Then they'll fly to Buffalo immediately following that game, have two days without a game in Buffalo before they play the Sabres on Thursday. Friday, they're into Columbus to take on Johnny Gaudreau and the Blue Jackets. They'll fly to Detroit have a day off in Detroit on Saturday and then play Sunday against the Red Wings. So the interesting thing for me, you know, Washington's the next test, but they're going to get some practice time in Buffalo and they're going to get some practice time tomorrow on Sunday as well on the road in Washington. So as they look to continue to shore up some of the things that have been just a little off, they're uh, going to get some practice time Sunday. Uh, So that's important. Um, Then they'll play on Monday. They'll probably get one practice in Tuesday or Wednesday before that back-to-back. They'll probably have the Saturday off because you're going to want to be rested for what happens on Sunday. So at at the tail end of this trip, the final three games of this trip are played in four days. That's going to be tough. So they play back-to-back 7 o'clock Eastern time starts in Buffalo and Columbus. Then the day off and then a 5 o'clock Eastern time start in Detroit. And so that's the that's the game that I look at and say, oh boy, that might be the most difficult test of the trip so far. Just the fact that you might have some cement legs on Sunday playing the third and four and you don't even get the full kind of uh, break because you have the early game on the Sunday as well. Third and four is always difficult, and then you add in the fact it's a little earlier as well. Uh, That one might be difficult. See if the Flames can push through. Next up, though, is Washington, and that game goes Monday night, 5 o'clock Calgary time here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. That's our look ahead, and looking ahead is brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, Answer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's get back to the text line at 960-960. Here's what we got going on from Brad. Much better tonight than last game, and Markstrom was again solid in net. If they can clean up the giveaways and hit the net just a bit more, they'll win more games than not. Really happy to see Coronado pot his first goal, and it was a beauty too. Looking forward to more of the flames we saw tonight. And the point on uh, Coronado is a good one. Like... That is not the um, typical off your buttocks and in uh, NHL, not typical, but we've seen lots of first NHL goals where you make the joke afterwards, like, ah, well, you'll tell your grandkids in 40 years that, uh, you know, they looked like this, but 
This one was an absolute rocket. Killed the puck off the half wall and blew it right by Alex Nedeljkovic. So uh, that's a really nice way to score your first NHL goal from Matt Coronado in a place where I think he'll score a lot of goals from in his NHL career. Um... This says, I've got a question. Is Jonathan Huberto a good skater? It appears he has difficult finding open ice. He can't keep up with the opposition on the back check. His passing skills are good, but his good skating skills are not there. Yeah, I mean, Huberto is not an elite NHL skater. There's, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's the main attribute of his game that has led him to being uh, a very good NHLer. His attribute is his vision with the puck on his stick, his deception and ability to distribute the puck, and his overall offensive IQ. That's that's what makes Jonathan Huberdeau the player he is. He's not an elite NHL skater. Neither was Matthew Kachuk. Neither are plenty guys in the NHL. And so they're not the best skaters on the planet, but they do other things well, and and that's how it is for uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. Uh, This from Larry in Calgary. The Flames are certainly a faster team this year. Early in the season, and it's going to take a bit of time to learn the new system and for Lions to gel. Fans need to give this team some time to get going, and I think they've got a good year ahead of them. Uh, this says, uh, here's my take. Second game of the season, late in the second period, Coronado scores a beautiful goal. Intermission, the Flames are joking and talking about the goal. They lose focus, and the season Penguins score quick. The Flames are pros, but let's cut them a break. They're still human, and that goal's now out of the way, and they can get back to business. Well, I think a few things happen. First of all, as much as Manjapani's giveaway led to the 1-1 goal, it was also a little bit of a lucky break. It's 18 seconds into a period. You know, there's there's nothing quite like. There are cliches in the NHL that I push back on, but I'm telling you, the old cliche of goal in the last minute of a period or the first minute of a period can really swing momentum. It holds true more often than not, and boy, did it hold true here. So they score 18 seconds in on a lucky bounce. Yes, Mangiapane, um coughed it up, and it led to more ozone time for Pittsburgh, but it was still a good break that Rust was able to bank it in off of, uh, off of Markstrom, who was not on his post, but that's because he's not supposed to be on his post there. He was reading the play, and as he was backing up, Rust caught him, but that's not as, as much as it. you don't like allowing goals from beside or behind the net. They happen, and it was a smart play by Rust. Um so you, it's a lucky bounce, and it's 18 seconds in. That just gets a ball rolling, and it kept on going downhill. Then the Coleman. So now all of a sudden you're rattled. You played so well, and you're back to square one. And maybe Coleman gets a little rattled. He makes a play he rarely ever makes. And now Riley Smith has made it 2-1. Then you lose a faceoff clean, and Lindholm has not lost a lot of clean faceoffs this year. And Gensel absolutely rips it past Markstrom for 3-1. And, and and so I, I just think balls can roll downhill, and uh, that's that's what happened here. Um, and I do think that part of that is, hey, there's still some growing pains going on too. Anyway, my point is I, I actually don't come away from that third period and saying, oh, no, the Flames uh, is going to be a troublesome area this year. I, I just I think it was a rough third period. I saw more positives than negatives in this game for Calgary than uh, even, even compared to Wednesday's game where they won, but I wasn't very impressed with the way they played. They, they played pretty well tonight. They just didn't get the result and, and a stretch in the third period where they made a couple of uncharacteristic mistakes got him. Uh, This says, didn't watch the game due to working. However, from listening, it sounded like Markstrom was solid and the players played well until the wheels fell off, but I think we're going to see a better team when they start putting a full game together. Thank you for uh, listening when you couldn't watch. We appreciate that. This from Ash, who says, I have not been impressed with Dubé's play so far. He looks a step behind. I also think Sharon Govich could benefit from the backland bump, as I don't think it's wise to trade him for Toffoli and then not give him a legitimate, consistent opportunity to play in the top six thoughts. Yeah, I I, uh, I thought Dubé was just a... 
there wasn't a lot there from that line, period. I thought actually of the three guys that played on that line tonight with Kadri, Ruzicka, and Dubé, I thought Ruzicka was the best of the of the three. Wasn't a whole lot there from that line tonight. I mean, they it's not like they were poor, but they weren't dangerous compared to some of the other lines at 5-on-5 five five tonight. Like, I thought the Huberdeau line was very dangerous tonight. And I actually... To your point about Sharon Govich, I thought the Sharon Govich line with Greer and Dewar were dynamite. They uh, ended up with, uh, when they were on the ice together, shot attempts were 13-3 Calgary. They were an 81.3% possession line by that metric. Uh, they generated two high-danger scoring chances and three scoring chances. Pretty good for a fourth line. So I actually didn't mind Sharon Govich, Greer, and Dewar together. And also... I got to say, through two games, A.J. Greer has done nothing but pop for me. He doesn't play a ton. He's a fourth liner. He doesn't get penalty kill time, but Greer's been really good tonight, uh, good so far. Was one of their best players possession-wise. Again, as I mentioned, that line was very good together. I've liked Greer in the two games he's played. He's not coming out of the lineup if, I, if I'm making those decisions, so that's, uh, that's positive as well. Um, so I guess to Ash's point, with the way that line played, I don't mind if Sharon Govich, Dewar, and Greer stay together uh, for a few more games because I thought they were really strong tonight. Uh, this from Vince. Uh, found the transition game. They're trying to be faster team. However, the puck management of Uyghur and Hannafin were sloppy. I did see five-on-five five much better this game. This is a process and only game two. That's from Vince. Um, and yeah, I thought that there were some puck management issues, no doubt about it. And, and I think part of it is... Watching this entire training camp, watching every practice they had in training camp, and watching their preseason games and and listening to the coaches, they want the Blue Liners to get the puck off their stick almost instantly. And they don't want a lot of D-to-D passing. They don't want a lot of holding the puck for their Blue Liners in their own zone. And so what you're seeing is, I think what you're seeing is guys like Uyghur, guys like Hannafin, doing what is part of the game plan, getting the puck off their stick quickly, but maybe the reads aren't quite there yet. And that's the stuff that I'm talking about that takes time, in my opinion. That's the stuff that I think will only get better with more and more in-game full-speed reps. They've only had six periods of of full-speed reps, no offense to the preseason. So those are some of the things that when we talk about X's and O's, when we talk about systems, those are some of the things that I think are going to come with time. So the quicker that they are able to... um, get the, uh, the the quicker they're able to make those reads a little bit better, the better. And again, I'll go back to what Megan said on Wednesday night. Like, as of right now, yes, you want the puck off your stick quickly, but until the reads for everybody with the puck on their stick and the support from teammates is a little bit more of a finely tuned machine, maybe that extra look and an extra half second, just take that second look is something the Flames might benefit from. We'll see. Uh, This reads, Pat, bummer result, but feel pretty good about the team. Markstrom was excellent. Better overall play than the Jets game, no doubt. The score was deceiving. I feel bad for them tonight, especially Markstrom. Uh, this says, sure, it's early, but same old team and problems. Uh, oh, I already, I already read this one. So that's, uh, that is the text line, almost the text line. A few more to get to. One more to get to before we wrap it up, actually. Pat, the Flames played well in the D zone for the most part, except that three-goal stretch in the third. Never mind the no looks and discombobulated breakouts. Seeing Markstrom out there uh, thinking I didn't cough it up was tough tough to see. Marky's going to have a career season, and Hannafin will be traded. So there you go. That's uh, one more text as we wrap things up on the text line at 960-960. Wrap things up on the phone lines as well. And we start to wrap things up on your Flames Talk post-game show. Time for your final summary. Here's how we got to tonight's final score. Uh, no scoring in period number one. was 0-0 after 20. And no scoring for most of period number two. It wasn't until the final about 90 seconds of the second period when the Flames finally opened the scoring. And it happened in a uh, milestone moment for Matt Coronado. His first career NHL goal came at 18:22 of the second period. It was an absolute rifle from the circle. He blew it past uh, Alex Nedeljkovic for a 
one nothing Flames lead. Coronado's first from Elias Lindholm and Rasmus Anderson at 18-22. Flames had a well-deserved one nothing lead after 40. They'd played a really strong first two periods. Unfortunately, it unraveled on them early in the third, starting with Pittsburgh equalizing 18 seconds in. Brian Rust scores his second of the year to make it 1-1. Rust from Chris Letang and Jake Gensel. And then 23 seconds in, Riley, uh, 23 seconds later rather, Riley Smith makes it 2-1. Smith gets his second from Evgeny Malkin and Ricard Raquel. Two goals in 23 seconds in the first 41 seconds of the third period. And just like that, it's 2-1 Penguins. Uh, then at 5.50 off a faceoff, Jake Gensel rips home his first of the year to make it 3-1 Pittsburgh Gensel from Latang and Sidney Crosby at 5-50 that made it 3-1 into the final uh, stretch of the game we go where the Penguins kind of sealed this one at 14-14 of the third Evgeny Malkin scores his second of the season to make it 4-1 Malkin from Smith at 14-14 uh, that gave the Penguins their largest lead of the night. Flames get one back a couple minutes later on Jonathan Huberdeau's first of the year. Huberdeau from Andrew Mangiapane and Noah Hannafin at 16.05. That's as close as the Flames would come. Rust seals it into an empty net with just over 20 seconds to go. Rust, second of the night, third of the year from Gensel at 19.38. Gets us to our 5-2 final score. Final shots were 36-30 Calgary. Flames go 1-for-3 on the power play tonight. Pittsburgh 0-for-3 with the man advantage. Your three stars, all Penguins. Number three, Jake Gensel. Number two, Evgeny Malkin. And with a couple of goals tonight, Brian Rust is your number one star. With the loss, Flames fall to 1-1 and 0 on the season. They're back in action Monday on the road in Washington while Pittsburgh improves to 2-1-0 they're back in action Wednesday on the road in Detroit that's your final summary and that will start to wrap us up on your Flames Talk post game show this evening for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson and for our outstanding producers Azam Nanji and Shan Virgie my name is Pat Steinberg uh of course, as you know, Flames Talk available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Go hit subscribe on that Flames Talk podcast feed. We'd love to have you along for the ride. And of course, live after every game here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. As I mentioned, next up for Calgary is Monday night in Washington. We'll be on the air at 4 o'clock with your Flames warm-up pregame show and 5 o'clock for puck drop from the U.S. nation's capital. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your weekend. The final score from Pittsburgh tonight. Flames fall 5-2 to the Penguins. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.